Well, good morning. Or not, whatever. <laughs> hey, uh, if you notice, uh, already in this room, there's a lot of things that are different. Um, how many of you guys have not noticed the things that are different in this room today? Okay. Um, starting with my left, if you'll see the rock wall over here on the left. It's nice. Yeah, and over here on my right, the rock wall over there. So this past week, uh, we had a crew come in, and they put on uh, some rock up on the wall. That was awesome. Our tech and media team, they've been working hard. Uh, they actually swapped the drums and piano around. How many of you guys just now noticed that? You're welcome. <laughs> I see. Yeah, so it's been kind of interesting to see when people come in this room, they kind of start pointing at what's different. But probably the biggest difference is uh, Pastor Joel looks about 10 years younger. Um, <laughs> so there, there you go. Um, hey, this morning I get the privilege of speaking to you guys today, and I'm honored and thankful uh, to do that. Uh, this morning, I kind of want to talk a little bit about distractions. Now, when I say the word distractions, what comes to your mind may be a little different than what comes to my mind. What comes to my mind is this glowing rectangle that I have in front of me. Um, so, students, let me go ahead and say this, all right? I'm not bashing cell phones today. I'm not bashing devices. I love devices. My son, my youngest son was born almost nine weeks early and we were not allowed to go into the NIC unit to see him because of COVID policies. And so the first 14 days of his life, the only way that I could see him was to pull up my phone. They put a camera in his little bed. And so I'm thankful for the first 14 days I could pull up my phone and I could see my son. So I'm not here today trying to make anybody feel guilty, sound legalistic about anything. I just want you guys to know there are some distractions in this world. And for me, one of the biggest distractions is this rectangle. So since I'm talking about phones a little bit this morning and I have my phone out, let me just read you some statistics from my phone, all right? Uh, they say roughly about uh, 2,600 times a day does the average American tap, swipe, or click their cell phone. The average iPhone user uses their, unlocks their phones on the average of 80 times a day. 26% of, uh, of car accidents are caused by smartphones. 31% of smartphone users in the U.S. never turn their phones off. I am not in that category. I am the opposite. I am horrible about charging my phone. I never turn it off. It just goes dead all the time. That's my fault. 45% of American children aged 10 to 12 have a smartphone. 82% of employees put their smartphones where they can see them at all times while they're walking, uh, working. Statistic after statistic, there's more about 60% of married couples uh, sleep with their phones. The first thing that most people reach for in the morning is their phone. The last thing they look at before they go to bed at night is probably gonna be their phone, their devices. So listen, this morning I'm not trying to criticize devices, I enjoy devices. I'm thankful for the devices and here's the reason why I brought my own box this morning. There are some things that I have on my phone that help me in life. And you probably have the same on your phone as well. Um, like, for example, I can watch movies on my phone. We were soldiers, all right? Who remembers these things? Yeah, be kind, rewind, right? Yeah, I can watch. I don't have to carry this in my pocket. I can watch it on my phone. Something else I enjoy with my phone is this um, thing. Now, honestly... I did this the first hour, and I was not kidding, and I'm not kidding now, but I, I struggled figuring out, oh, here we go, how to open it up. Cheese? Isn't that cute? Yeah. 
I'm thankful that my cell phone has the ability to take awesome pictures. Uh, you can play games on your devices. Yeah. You can crush unlimited amounts of candy all at one time. Um, something else on your phone, you, you can have sports. All right. My kids are in basketball right now, so you can watch the, the sports. Um, speaking of sports, Chase, Claire, good to see you guys this morning. Glad you're home. Uh, something else about devices. This is a good one. So last night I went to the gas station, and this is no joke. I walked in, I bought some sweet tea, walked up to the counter, and I, I bought a newspaper. And I stuck the newspaper down on the counter with my sweet tea, and I stood there and I asked the gentleman, I said, I know this going to sound crazy, but do y'all have maps? And all honestly, he looks at me and says, sir, are you in a time machine? <laughs> no joke. I was like, that's going to fit perfectly with what I'm talking about tomorrow. I said, no, my DeLorean is at home. I'm in an SUV. Uh, I wish I was Marty McFly, but that's, that's not me. Something else your smartphone, your devices do. Um, it's the only piggy bank in my house, okay? Don't criticize. Uh, you can save money on your phone. You can use your phone to spend money. Uh, probably most of you guys right now have already bought all your Christmas presents uh, with your smartphone. I know, thankfully, my wife does that, so no more long lines for me most of the time, so I'm thankful. Something else your devices may do. Uh, you can tell other people your opinions. <laughs> and they can tell you their opinions. Y'all want to talk politics? Anybody want to talk about Jimbo Fisher? All right. Uh, something else your phone may do, and I don't want to criticize or judge anybody in this room, but most of, I'll say this, some of you in the room, the only reason why you have a, a smartphone or smart device is for the flashlight. <laughs> Don't, don't elbow your husband. That was rude. That was mean. But some of you guys just use it for your flashlight. I probably use my cell phone for my flashlight way more than I need to. So this morning, I want to ask you a question. Simply, is your life marked by distraction or is it marked by devotion? Is it marked by distraction or is it marked by devotion? I'm not criticizing our devices. They're good. We need them. They help us to live in this crazy world. But what I'm asking you is whatever your distraction may be, it may not be a glowing rectangle. Your distraction may be something else. Are you living a life marked by distraction or devotion? If you will, we're going to look at Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42. Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42. As you turn there, I just want to uh, give you three questions. These are not your questions. These are my questions that the Lord has put on my heart <clears throat> the last few weeks. Here's the first question for myself. As a follower of Jesus, what are the distractions that I need to eliminate? As a husband, what could be pulling me away from quality time with my spouse? As a father, what can keep me from being fully engaged in the moments that I have with my children? So Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42, let's pray and then we'll dive in. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Uh, thank you for everything that's already happened in this room. Uh, Lord, we're thankful for all the men and women who pour into our, our students that have given uh, their time for the, the student choir and for these boxes in front of us, Lord. Uh, we're just thankful for today. We're thankful to be in this room together as a family. And Lord, I do know without a doubt, every one of us, uh, we struggle and it's a fight to keep focused. So Lord, I pray this morning that whatever distractions are kind of um, 
hanging over our, our heads and hearts this morning, Lord, you'll just kind of speak to us. And maybe by the end of the day, it's not a, a day that we just uh, go outside and, and build a bonfire and throw our devices in it. But maybe it's a day that we just maybe start having conversations about distractions. So Lord, help us today be more devoted to you. Ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 says this. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But Martha said to her, or the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, and it will not be taken away from her. In the first few verses, you have Jesus and his disciples. They're traveling. They stop through this little village, and they meet this lady named Martha. Martha seems to be a gracious host. The text says that she welcomed them into her home. This is the first time that we see Martha in the Gospel of Luke, but in John chapter 11, we actually see her right before her brother Lazarus dies and Jesus resurrects him back to life. We see her in John chapter 11, verse 27. Martha says this. She says, yes, Lord, I believe you that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So you have Martha. She knows who Jesus is. She welcomes him and his disciples into her home. And then we meet the other character, Mary. Notice how Luke describes Mary in verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. So Jesus comes in, doesn't waste any time. He begins to teach those in the home. And Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. The words used here simply imply settled in. Mary had settled in. It's a position of humility. It's a position of worship. It's a position of learning. My wife teaches kindergarten at HCA, and every she's been a teacher for years. Every year she plans her classroom and organizes her room around what she calls rug time. It's basically where kids sit crisscross applesauce, and they sit in front of her so she can engage them while she teaches. I think Luke is painting this picture for us, and it's, he's more concerned not necessarily about the location that we find Mary in the room, but rather her posture. Mary was seated at the Lord's feet. This morning, I have three things I want you to see today, three differences between Mary and Martha. This brings us to the very first difference that we see is their posture. The difference in their posture. Mary had settled in. She was settled. She was seated. She was soaking in every moment. She hung on to every word and every syllable that Jesus said. And then we see her sister. Let's look at the contrast, the difference in verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Everybody say distracted. Now some of y'all are distracted. You're welcome. She was distracted. As I looked up this word distracted, I came across uh, the way the French would use a form of punishment. It was cruel. And I know we got some kids in the room, so I'll be um, kind of vague. Uh, they would take the worst offender and they would take each foot, each hand. They would tie a rope to each hand, each foot, and they would have four horses. 
You can use your imagination. The cruel offender would be literally distracted. This word distracted is implying that Martha was being pulled apart in many different directions, or she was being dragged away. She was overburdened, stressed out. But you kind of have to ask the question, why? What would cause her to be so stressed? Well, Luke says, with much serving. She is so preoccupied and so worried, trying to make sure everything is perfect for this dinner party that we can't criticize her, right? We can't throw shade on Martha. What she's doing is a good thing. It's not every day that the Son of God comes into your home for coffee or tea. She wants to give him her best. She doesn't want to serve him leftovers or a frozen dinner. She is apparently preparing this feast for her guest. What Martha is doing is not a bad thing. These devices and some of your distractions may not be a bad thing. We need people who to serve in our church. We need more things like that. Think about this. Martha had no Wi-Fi. She had no smartphone. She had no kids to pick up from carpool. She had no kids to pick up from this school and then drive over 30 minutes to this school. What was she so distracted with? She was doing good things. But too much of a good thing can become a bad thing if it distracts you from the best thing. Too much of a good thing can become a bad thing if it distracts you from the best thing. This can be serving, ministry. You can get burned out. Too much of it is a good thing, but if you're not focused on the best thing, you can get burned out. Devices, like I said, Jesus is literally in this room with Martha, and she is so preoccupied with what's going on in her head and her heart that she's missing this moment. She is missing what is right in front of her. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go to an Alabama football game. I've never been to a night game. I was pumped up. I was ready to look at the cool lights because that's what college football is now all about, right? It's the football and it's the cool light show, all right? It's like a Disney Broadway and football. I don't know. And so I was excited to go there to watch it. Well, knowing my luck, I get there and there's a malfunction in the lights, So we couldn't do the cool little wave with our lights, and it was really disappointing. Well, in front of me was a young family. They had two little boys, probably second, third grade, not too sure. And like most kids get distracted in things, these boys were distracted watching football. I took a picture of one of these boys, and I know it's kind of hard to see on the screen, but he is literally playing a game on his device. But let me tell you what kind of game he's playing while he's sitting in Bryant-Denny Stadium, remember that, he is playing a football game on his device while he is watching college football live, right? There is the former Heisman Trophy winner on the field, possibly the greatest GOAT of all time, Nick Saban. Nick Saban, the GOAT. He is distracted with what is literally happening in front of him. It's a good thing. Devices can be good. Distractions sometimes can be good. But too much of a good thing is a bad thing. Uh, John Ortberg has a quote. He says this. He says, for most of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted, so rushed, so preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. Martha is more worried about her to-do list 
while Mary is more focused on devotion. Martha is more concerned with her work, while Mary is more consumed with worship. I have a take-home question for you guys today. You can take it home or you can leave it here, whatever you would like to do with it. But I would love for maybe you and your family, you and your spouse, to ask this question uh, at the table. Have a conversation about it. Question, take-home number one is this. Does your schedule include time with Jesus or is it ordered around time with Jesus? Martha's schedule included time with Jesus. Come on in. I'll feed you for a minute. Martha scheduled her life around Jesus. Which one is you? What about your family? First difference that we see is their posture. The second difference that we see is their pace. Notice in verse 40, the difference of their pace. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Then tell her to help me. It's clear at this moment that Martha is pretty upset. She was busy with her to-do list. She's pacing back and forth while Mary is still seating at Jesus' feet. She's had enough. And verse 40 says, she went up to him and said, Jesus, Lord, do you not care? Tell her to help me. She's left me alone. I think Martha does not, in this moment, wrap her little home is where the heart is apron around her waist, her little frou-frou apron. I don't think she puts that on and kind of quietly walks into the room where Jesus is and says, excuse me, Jesus, I know you're busy. I got appetizers, but I'm a little distracted. Mary is not doing what she needs to be doing. No, I get the image of Kramer. Y'all know who Kramer is, right? Like Martha just like bursts through the door. She's mad. She's upset. Jesus is teaching. She doesn't care. She interrupts him and says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone? I think the reason why Martha was so frustrated can be found in those two words, care and alone. She feels abandoned. Martha says, my sister has left me. We got all this work to do. At some point in Scripture, as the reader, you kind of hope Martha just settles down for a moment. Or maybe she takes one of Mary's chill pills and just kind of relaxes for a second. And you hope she doesn't continue to cause a scene at dinner. Have you ever been invited to a friend's house and the dinner's nice and all of a sudden an argument breaks out? But not an argument between you and the friends, but an argument between the host party? It's, y'all know what some of y'all are shaking your heads. Like, it's just awkward, right? All you hear is like the scraping on the plate with your fork. Like, wow, this mac and cheese is fantastic, right? And the spouses are kind of having an argument. This is that awkward moment. She rushes in. She says, Jesus, do you not care? I'm all by myself. Mary is spoiled. She's just sitting there. She's lazy. Do you not care? At this point, the pace is killing Martha. It's killing her. Martha's pace is not only now kind of festering inside of her, but now it's overflowing to other people. Sometimes that can happen in your life, and it can happen in my life. Jesus, at this point, should have simply put the napkin down and walked out. But that's not Jesus. He says this in verse 41, But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Jesus says, Martha, Martha. In this moment, I think it's a 
show of compassion, a show of grace, of love, and mercy. I would like to imagine this room is still so quiet because of that awkward moment just a couple seconds ago that the only person that can hear Martha, Martha is Martha. I would like to imagine that when Jesus says Martha, he says it so low, almost like a whisper. But yet the only person in the room that could hear was Martha. Jesus doesn't ignore her. He doesn't condemn her, but yet he diagnoses her problem. Mary or Martha, you have a heart problem. You're anxious and you're troubled about many things. Maybe today Jesus is whispering your name. What are you troubled and anxious about? Are there the things that are in this box, the things that are consuming you, your devices, the electronics? What is taking over your time? What is consuming you? Are you devoted or are you distracted? The same, anxious, the same word for anxious here is found in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It'll be on the screen, but I want to read it off this card. A couple weeks ago, I walked into my office, and uh, there was a pastor appreciation uh, gift for me on my desk. And it, was a, it looked like a business card holder. And inside the business card holder was a bunch of these little cards. And at first I thought somebody gave me business cards. <laughs> uh, but then I realized, oh, these are personalized scripture verses for every day of the year. Maybe even more. It's a bunch of them. And so I want to read my card to you because it's personalized. It, it means it's special to me. But this is it. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. The Lord is near, Bryant's. Do not be anxious, but in everything through prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God, and his peace, which passes all understanding, shall guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I think on this particular day, Martha needed to have a personalized card in her windowsill. Or maybe she needed to have it embroidered on her potholder. Martha, Martha, you're troubled and you're anxious about many things. When I read this text, I wonder what happened to Martha? What happened to the Aunt B kind of gracious host that we saw in verse 38, so welcoming? And then I reflect on my own life, and I think I know what happened to Martha. It happens to me. She lost her focus. She took her eyes off of the main thing, which was the person in her living room, Jesus. She had become distracted with all the work that had to get done. Remember the story of Peter in the middle of the sea, in the boat, the disciples are panicking, storms brewing, Jesus walks out on the water, Jesus and Peter have this dialogue, all of a sudden Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking, which this is, this is a side note, I didn't mention this in the, in the nine o'clock service, but have you ever noticed in scripture Jesus doesn't run? He walks. I think for me, in my life, today, in this busy, hectic world that we live in, I think I need to walk more. Not for exercise, I need that too. <laughs> but the pace is always walking. He's calm. I need to be more like him. But Mary was sinking. She was drowning in her distractions, or you could say she was sinking in her busyness. Someone once said, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If the devil, the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. You may be sitting here this morning and go, you know what, I get you. I got a lot of things going on in my life. But I'm really not busy, right? There's a difference between being busy and hurried. So let, let me maybe clarify 
this morning help do some self-awareness, do a self-check, and see if you're a little bit too much in a hurry today, all right? Example number one. We leave here, we go to the restaurant, there's speed bumps to slow you down in the parking lot. Are you the person that goes over the speed bumps or are you the person that goes around the speed bumps? If you go around the speed bumps, you may be in too much of a hurry, all right? What about this? You're at a red light, and as you're pulling up to the red light, you're counting cars. You're like, that lane has 10, this lane has four. I'm getting in the lane with four. Because you want to save that extra 30 seconds or at least beat that semi, right? Or how about this one? You're in a grocery store. You're like Martha. You're filling up your buggy, and it's packed. It's like Thanksgiving dinner. And you squeak, squeak, take that little buggy up to the cash register, and you realize, oh, man, all the lines are full. It's like Walmart every day. It's just, it's just packed. And you're like, there's no way in the world I'm staying in this line. I'm in way too much of a hurry. I got things I got to do. And then all of a sudden, your attention catches the express checkout lane. And you're like, yes, I'm going to walk over the express checkout lane. Well, then it dawns on you, you can only take 10 of your best friends with you through that line. So then you start having a dialogue with the food that is sitting in your buggy trying to figure out, okay, which food is the most important for my family to survive on this week? Which Lunchable does Little Junior really need this week? Because I'm in way too much of a hurry. I'm not staying in this line. I want to go. There's a difference between being busy and hurry. Busy is what we have to do. It's meetings, calendars, tasks. It's because we're people. We got things we got to do. But hurry is more of a heart thing. Busy is a calendar that gets full. Hurry is a heart that never gets full. The late Dallas Willard said this, Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Second question that I would love for you and your family to talk about this week is this. Is your schedule dictated by the urgent or is it designed to accomplish what is most important? Is your schedule dictated by the urgent, or is it designed to accomplish the most important? So three differences between Martha and Mary. The first one is the, the, the difference in their posture. The second difference is the difference in their pace. And the third difference is the difference in their priorities. Difference in their priorities. Verse 41, 42 says this, But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So now you have Martha. She's probably sweating. She's breathing heavily. She's interrupted Jesus. He's trying to speak to her, give her some love and grace. And at this moment, Jesus is basically telling Martha, Martha, listen, the house looks good. It's clean. The food, honestly, it's good enough for a social media post. It's, it's good. But listen, Martha, what Mary has chosen to do, it's just simply better. I'm appreciative of you filling my belly, but I really want to fill your heart. And Mary's heart is getting full right now. NIV says Mary has chosen what is better. The message translation says it this way, one thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course, and it won't be taken 
from her. When I read that word essential, I kind of felt like deja vu. I was like, I think I've heard that word before, recently. It's crazy to think about just two years ago, that's all we heard about, right? On the news, essential. Social media, essential. At work, what's essential? The top word in 2020 that was searched was essential. The meaning for the word essential is this, absolutely necessary, fundamental or central to the nature of someone or someone or something. Absolutely necessary, fundamental, central to the nature of something or someone, essential. We had to realign our entire lives around that one word. We had to make hard decisions as a family, as businesses, as schools, as churches, to do what was the best for the safety of our friends, ourselves, and our community. Some of us are still facing those effects today. In this moment, Martha is doing what she felt was most important. But Jesus is here, full of grace, reminding Martha that Mary has chosen the best, the best portion. I wonder, church, what it would look like if we went home and we had another conversation with our families today, this week, and we said, all right, family, what's essential? What is going to be essential for 2023? What is our calendar going to look like? What are we going to eliminate from our calendar? Because it's not essential. It's not fundamentally important. It doesn't need to be center of our life. What is essential? What would it look like if you made that decision? Everything revolved around that one word, essential. Would you make more decisions that were God-honoring? Would your calendar be full more of God-type things to do? Would you be less hurried? Maybe. Psalm 16, verse 5 says this, The Lord is my chosen portion. Can you say that this morning? Can you say the Lord is your chosen portion? Psalm 73 says this, verse 25, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. There is nothing worthy of tap, swipe, and my devotion and my attention worthy except for you, Jesus. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength of my heart and my portion forever. I love how Jesus closes this conversation with Martha by saying this. He says, it will not be taken away from her. You see, all the things Martha chose to do on this day, they were all good. None of these things were sinful by any means. But the food would soon be gone. The dishes would be in the sink. Everything would be over. But the presence of Jesus among those people in that room would be a memory that would last forever. Mary was choosing to sit at his feet and listen to his words. Mary was like a tree planted by rivers of living waters, drawing life from Jesus. Not wasting her time, but drawing life. Mary was so still. In that moment, I would like to think she was so still and so quiet, she began growing roots into the floor. Every word Jesus spoke, she was soaking them in, making a big, big difference, impact on her life. What about you? Third question, take-home question is this. Does your schedule or your life 
your home? Does your schedule express a heart captivated by things that are eternal or things that are temporary? Are you captivated by what really matters? Are you captivated by the eternal or just the temporary? Things that may or may not last. To live a life of devotion is a fight. Every day, you and I have to fight for that life of devotion. There was a a poet in the 18th century. His name was Robert Robertson. He was the one that wrote the poem, later turned into a hymn, Come Thou Fount of Thy Blessing. And Robert lived a pretty good life. Uh, Robert became a, a, a pastor Uh, did good things in his life, wrote several great poems that later turned into hymns, a lot that we sing here. But Robert allowed something to slip away from him. Robert, even in the 18th century, got distracted. Robert chose to live a life of distractions and not a devotion. And so there's a lot of stories that you may read, different stories, but the one that I found this week, it said something like this. Robert, on the 18th century, he was in London one morning, And it was a cold morning, probably a lot like today. Not Alabama cold, but cold. And he was heading, uh, just doing whatever he was doing on that Sunday morning. He was not going to church. He woke up that morning and he told himself, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm walking away. I'm done. I'm interested in other things. I'm preoccupied with more things. And he heard this horse-drawn carriage behind him. And he turns around and this nice dressed lady, she leans out of the carriage and she says, sir, are you heading to church? And Robert said, no, ma'am, I'm I'm not doing that. I'm I'm done with that. And she said, well, sir, I I would love for you to ride with me to church if you would would go. He said, no, I'm I'm okay. okay." And she pleaded. She said, sir, can can you go to church with me today? And Robert said, okay, sure. I think he was trying to get her to be quiet, but he gave in and said, sure, I'll go. So Robert hops into this horse-drawn carriage, and as he's sitting there, this lady exchanges her name, and he tells her his name, and she said, wait, this is a crazy coincidence, because here in my journal, I've been writing down some, some words, some inspirational writings I've been reading, and I noticed that one of them that I just read was the author was Robert Robertson. Is this possible that I'm sharing a carriage with Robert Robertson, the ones that wrote this poem? And he said, yes, that is me. And she said, I can't believe that I'm sharing this carriage with you today. This is, this is amazing. And so she begins to, to read these words. She says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And in that moment, Robert puts his head down. And they stop talking for a few moments. And the man said, Roger, Robert, are you okay? He said, ma'am, I just want to let you know I live those words. I wrote them, and I'm living them now. My heart has wandered away. I am prone to leave the God I love. In that moment, this lady hands him her journal and says, Mr. Robert, you did write those words, but didn't you write the next words too? And he said, yes. And she said, why don't you read them? And so Robert looked down, and he said, here's my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. And on that day, Mr. Robert decided to live once again a life full of devotion. See, we all have distractions in our life. We're not going to be able to get rid of them, all of them. 
We have things that weigh us down. We have things that preoccupy us. All of them are different. But one thing that we all have, whether you're in the 18th century or today, we all have 24 hours. We've all been given time. So my question to you this morning is in the next 24 hours of your life that God has given to you, is it going to be a life marked of distractions or is it going to be a life marked of devotion? It's a fight to stay focused. But I think if Jesus was sitting in our living room this morning, I think he would say it's worth the fight. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this day. Thank you that you are our portion. Thank you that you are all that we need. And Lord, I pray for those in the room this morning that they're struggling with being distracted by the things of this world. They're being weighed down by things that may or may not matter. They may be good things, but they're not the best thing. So Lord, help us today to think about our lives and whether or not are they, are we just kind of skimming our lives? Are we preoccupied by the things that won't last? Are we focused and captured on the eternal things? So Lord, help me as a husband to use better judgment of my time. Help me as a father to use better judgment of my time. Lord, help me as a follower to use better judgment of my time. Every day is a gift from you, Lord, and we're thankful for it. Lord, for the rest of us in this room, maybe there's somebody here today that doesn't know you. They've never fully surrendered their life to you. Maybe today would be the day that they start their journey. Lord, I pray for that person in this room that they will have the boldness today to cry out, to either come down here where I'm at the altar or find someone they trust and say, hey, I need I need this Jesus. Not only am I distracted, but I've tried to fill every void in my life with stuff and it's just not working. Nothing seems to fix it. So maybe today that person will realize the only thing that can fix is the creator. It's you, Jesus. So Lord, be with us in this moment. But Lord, my prayer this morning is that not just every day of the week that we will cry out that we need you, but Lord, we will cry out to you every hour. It is a fight to stay focused. It's a fight to stay devoted. So Lord, I pray every hour we will cry out to you that you are our one thing that really matters. You are the best thing. You are the most essential thing. You are our one defense and our righteousness. Lord, I pray everything else in life slowly glows dimly while you shine brighter in our hearts and minds today. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to worship you. Now, help us respond the way that we ought to respond to you. Ask all these things in your son's name. Amen.